Um, so uh, if you guys are, are visiting, you don't know who I am. My name is Eli. My wife and I, we lead the youth and family ministry. Um, guys, and we are deep into the bullpen this week. Uh, we got Joel and Tim and Grayson all in Africa. So uh, you got the reliever in pitching, okay? So, uh, guys, uh, as, as mentioned by Brad, we're going uh, through, we've been spending this entire year, we're going to continue to spend the year going through the Old Testament, and the point of doing that is to know God, to know God. Uh, we believe that it's the most important thing that we can do with our lives here on earth is to know God. Jesus in John chapter 17 says that knowing the Father is eternal life, and I think about that, I think... You know, we think about life, and we want to have the good life, but what's the best kind of life? And honestly, eternal life is the best kind of life. So I want that life. All right, so today, we're going to talk about knowing God's working. So essentially, how God works, okay? And we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings. So we kind of, uh, we, we were talking about the prophet, Joel talked about the prophet Elijah, last week, okay, and, and his, his faithful service as prophet during the reign of King Ahab in Israel. And it was not a good time in Israel, and it's still, as we move forward into 2 Kings, things are not going well. God's people continually disobey him, and the, what the prophets are doing is they're kind of the people who are, who are always constantly there trying to call the people back, okay? And so, um, in, in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah is, he's actually taken up to heaven, so he doesn't even die. He's taken up to heaven. And the mantle of, of his prophetship, so to speak, is passed to Elisha. So we go from Elijah to Elisha. Okay, so what we're really going to be focusing on is some of the work of Elisha today. And the thing that I really want you guys to come away with today is that God works through people. He always has and he always will. So if, if you don't already know, I think a lot of you understand that, but if you don't already know that, I want you to come away with the conviction that God works through people. Okay, and honestly, it doesn't, you know, from our point of view, it's like, God, why, you know, sometimes I question why he would work through us, especially me. I'm like, God, why on earth would you try to use, you know, this just messed up life to give you glory? And... The other thing I want you to come away with is that he has the desire, the capacity, the power, the capability to use your life to do great things for the kingdom of God. And we need to have a faithful response to God's power, capability to use us. And so we're going to get started in 2 Kings chapter 3. And kind of what's going on here in this scene is that the king of Israel, okay, the king of, of Judah, and then the king of Edom have all kind of teamed up. They've made this alliance, and they're going to go to Moab, go to battle. And so we're going to pick up in verse 9 of this chapter. It says, So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched out on that roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? 
So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings to let three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you, but now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus the Lord, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city, every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, and stop up every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Okay, so... Interesting, right? Elisha, the, the prophet, right? Like, oh, we're, we're not in a good situation here, so we need a prophet. Uh, and, and then Jehoshaphat's like, Elisha, we can talk to him. He's good. And uh, the king of Israel goes to Elisha, and he's like, what do, don't even talk to me. He's like, and then he, the only reason he actually talks to the king of Israel is because of Jehoshaphat's faithfulness. So Judah at this time, the, the, the Israel had been split into two. Okay, and you have the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, Israel, has been very, they've, they have a lot of apostasy. They've been very unfaithful. And Judah has remained fairly faithful. They've had their ups and downs, but, but they're hanging in there. And so Elisha has regard for this request because of the faithfulness of Jehoshaphat. And it's interesting that, so Elisha, he's, he wants, he's trying to find the word of the Lord. So he's like, bring me a musician and, and plays the music. Right, and so, and a quick note here that you like this is kind of part of the reason we like worship God through song, okay? Because you could take this too far, okay? But music is is a tool to to worship God and to help us get in rhythm with the Holy Spirit, okay? So, and this is the great divine wisdom that comes from the Lord: fill this valley with ditches. Get your shovel, start digging. Okay? And then, and then here's the other thing. Okay, so how is this going to happen? He says, so they want water, right? That's the whole point. They need water. They're dehydrated. You can't fight in a battle dehydrated. And they're in a place where there is no water. And he's like, there's not going to be rain. There's not going to be wind. Like, you won't even see how the water gets there. But just dig ditches and it'll get there. It's like, this is crazy. Okay? And so think about that. You've got thousands of men who are, who are thirsty and hungry and who've been traveling seven days. And now the word of the Lord is to get your shovels and start digging. And this is somehow going to bring you victory. It makes no sense how God is going to work through this word of the prophet. But a lot of times 
Sorry, God works in ways that we don't fully understand. Okay? And you'll, you'll see that, that theme over and over again throughout the scriptures. So let's see how this happens. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and the older were gathered and they stood at the border. Then they rose up early in the morning and the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore Moab to the spoil. So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them. And they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities, and each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. And they stopped all the springs of water. They cut down all the good trees, but they left the stones of Ker, Hereseth intact. However, the slinger surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. And then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. Okay, so a few more crazy things happen. The ditches get filled with water, and it doesn't, it just, it just says they just, water came from Edom. And Edom is like a dry desert place. So it's just, it's a miracle. Okay? And... Here, and here's the other crazy thing of it is that the, the Moabites see the water, but they see it from a distance and the sun is shining on it, and so they think that it's blood. And I mean, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you're just, you're just not very smart, maybe. But, I mean, I was thinking about it, it's like, really, there's, it can't be water. It's really, like, they're in a desert, like, it can't be water. So, if you're trying to, in your mind, kind of conceptualize, like, what is that? You know there's an army over there, maybe... It's blood. So, so what the Moabites think is that, oh, they've turned against each other in frustration. And so now let's just eat like we've got this. Let's just go in, right? And so obviously they're just not prepared for a real battle, right? They, they think, oh, the battle's already over. Let's just go in there and take the spoil. And sure enough, Israel actually hasn't been fighting each other. They're fully, uh, their thirst has been quenched, and they're strong, and they're ready, and they take out the Moabites, Okay? And so God miraculously fills these ditches with water. And he simultaneously uses them to trick the Moabites into thinking the Israelite army has, has attacked themselves. And there's something very important I want us to note, that there's, there's three things here. There's a blessing of God. There's a victory of God. And then there's digging ditches. Okay? So... The blessing of God is the water. That's what they needed. That's what they really needed was water. And then the victory of God came. But the ditches, they were not the blessing or the victory, but they were completely necessary for either to have happened. And here's the thing that's honestly, it's encouraging about this in our own lives is that, so, so God does this supernatural thing and it's like, how is God going to bring victory? But you know what he tells the people to do? He, he just gives them something to do that is that they can do, right? 
If the word of the Lord was make victory, well, how, how do we do that? But the word of the Lord was, here's something simple you can do. Do it, and I will bring victory. It's something tangible, something they do. Even if you don't feel like you can, right? It's like they're thirsty, they're tired, like, oh, we got to dig ditches, like, ugh. If they hadn't have dug those ditches, there would be no water. And God often asks us to do things that, that just don't make sense in the moment. You know, sometimes life, a lot, a lot of areas of life, feel like digging ditches. Sometimes leadership feels like digging ditches. For those of you that are, are leading life groups this coming fall, you know, you're going to be leading and, and, tr- and trying to make your group awesome, and then maybe you're just not going to get much feedback, and you don't really know how it's all being received, but you just keep going. It's... It's digging a ditch, right? You're, you're, try, you're doing work to help make a good life group experience, an environment for growth. Sometimes church, sometimes coming to church, you know, we got midweeks, we got your discipleship partner, you got Sunday service, you got the other way, the, the studies you're involved with. Sometimes it's like digging ditches. Sometimes family feels like digging ditches. You know, sometimes being around my wife feels like I'm digging in a ditch. Sometimes. Just, just being completely honest. But you know why? You know why that is? It's because I'm selfish and I just want to do like, it's just, it's a lot of times when I feel that way, it's because I want to just do something else. That, so... My wife is, is incredible and great. That is not a reflection of her. This is completely a reflection of me and my selfishness. Okay, but, but sometimes, I mean, even the good, the best things in life sometimes feel like digging ditches. And honestly, guys, the, the la- as someone who's tired, okay, I, I'm, I like to sleep. I get tired easily, honestly. I don't have a lot of energy and strength. And some of you guys, some of you out there, you have small children, and they keep you up at night. And so you get tired. And the last thing you want to hear is, you need to dig ditches. <laughs> and some of you, you don't have any kids because they've all, you're, they've all grown up and moved out of the house. So you're just old. And you're tired. You know, I, I tend to get anxious and afraid when I'm challenged to give more. When I'm challenged to give more, I get fearful of... Honestly, the thing that I get afraid of is like, well, if I go and do that, what's going to be left over for me? And as someone who... Um, so this, this has been... A, this has been a, I've, I'm constantly frustrated with my own limitations because I, I can kind of relate when, when being tired... And you don't want to do something, but you know it needs to be done. I can relate to that because I battle with that on a daily basis. I have chronic health issues. And so this verse I'm about to show you has honestly revolutionized the way that I look at my limitations and the strength that I have. It's in Deuteronomy 33:25, and it says, Your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. 
And honestly, I was reading this, I, the first time I read this, or the, probably the fifth, sixth time I read it, I honestly was like, that's such a weird sentence. As your days, so shall your strength be. And it just hit me that what that's saying is that basically for each day you'll be given sufficient enough strength for that day. So as many as your day, if you have 100 days, you'll get 100 days worth of strength. And that's the promise here. And so God gives us all different measures of energy and strength. And the point here is that whatever strength you absolutely need for that day to complete God's work, he will provide it. And here's the thing, right? When I think about what will be left over for me, because this verse doesn't promise that you'll have the energy to pursue your hobbies, to pursue um, attaining wealth, to pursue your dream vacation, to pursue all these kinds of these, these things that make up the good life. It's like, no, 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 you'll have, you're going to have strength for each day, the necessities for each day. Okay? And, that, and so that, that's, that can be discouraging. It's kind of discouraging to me when I think about it. I'm like, but, but what about all that? I want that. But here's the thing, guys. Is, so this is what this verse has taught me. Is that we need to save our strength for what's important. Because we don't have unlimited amounts. Save it for what's important. A quote from Charles Spurgeon says, To act not on the mere strength of what you have, but an expectation of that which you have asked. Our, our part, we have a part, we have a faithful response in our relationship with God. And sometimes it's something as simple but as difficult as digging ditches. Now, you guys notice something really crazy happens in this passage. The king of Moab offers his son as a burnt offering. So that means he killed him. He killed his own son. And the other crazy thing, so Israel is winning this battle. Like, they are, they are winning. And at the time in which he sacrifices his son... They're, they're filled with indignation, and they stop, they, they relent. They just stop fighting. They go back home. Why would they do that? I just, I, just think about that for a second. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, guys, you guys are going to make this connection, okay? When they saw the desperate measures of King Moab, when he went as far as to sacrifice his son who would be king, they stopped fighting. So when God makes desperate measures to reach you by sacrificing his son Jesus, stop resisting his will for your life. Stop insisting on your own desires. God has taken desperate measures to get you to stop fighting. It's funny, they were filled with indignation. Indignation is like a righteous anger. It's like, like 98% of the time, human anger, the Bible says human anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. But sometimes, we, we can be angry about the right things. We can be angry about our own sin, right? Like, oh, I messed it up again, I'm angry and I want to repent, okay? That's kind of part of the response. When we see an innocent man put to death, we should maybe get a little angry, like righteously angry. And like, you know what? What can I do about this? Because it's not right. 
Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So the reason that I'm, I'm sharing this with you guys um, is because honestly I know, I know my own heart, and I know that we have, we have some things in common as, as people, as fellow man. I'm just so tempted sometimes, all the time, to just want to live for the good life, for comfort. I daydream about cruising down the, the back trails in the Upper Peninsula in my brand new Jeep Wrangler. I just daydream about that, like, oh, that sounds so awesome. Right? I, I, I dream about va- vacation on the beach, like, it sounds so awesome. And the reason I, I want to look at the scripture is because I can't tell you guys how many times I've seen someone break their back to drive a little nicer car or to, you know, send their kid to, like, the most incredible school, the most incredible sports camps, and they're just working and working and working so they can put this all together. And it's... And, you know, the thing is, a lot of these things are... They're good things. But the problem is with these good things, not the problem with the good things, but just the, the, pro, the human problem that we have is we only have so much strength. So it is in vain that you rise early and you stay up late, toiling. If, if what you're rising up in, in, is, is temporary, right? If the things that you're, you're working so hard for are temporary. It's in vain because unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And I see this and, I, and it, it makes me hurt because I'm like, you're, you're killing yourself for something that doesn't matter. And I, and I mean, I've totally, I've totally done the same exact thing. Killing myself for something that doesn't even matter. But this is right here. This is the crux. This is, this is how we handle this it's, 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 it's encouraging news in a way because it gives us freedom. It gives us freedom to not have to pursue everything that the world is constantly telling us to pursue, that we're tired of pursuing, that wears us out. And then there's the part where it's like, but I, I really I like those things. I want those things. And so I think this is where the crux of our inspiration can come from. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Guys, you know, Jesus died for a number of reasons. One of the biggest ones being to, for forgiveness. Okay? Sin is, is the, it's the problem of the universe. And it needed to be dealt with. And then another very large reason is that so that we would no longer live for ourselves. It says right here that this is why. He died so that we would no longer live for ourselves. And this is, this is, this is inspirational because we all know deep down that there's something bigger, greater than we are, and something bigger and greater than, than our dreams of having the things that we want. 
or having the types of friendships, relationships, marriage that we want. And, I, and so with the limited strength that we have, we need to dream for the kingdom of God. We need to toil for that, because that's what's going to last. And when we dream, and it's part of this is, is having faith, right? It, it was, it's, it's hard to have faith, because in that previous story, it's like, how is God going to do this? How is he going to pull this off? And here's where digging ditches really comes in. We need to dig ditches, because do you guys know who Jeff Bezos is? He's, he's the CEO of Amazon. So he's worth about $150 billion. Uh, I, he's the richest man in America, maybe the world. I don't know about the world, but at least in America. And his first job was flipping burgers at McDonald's. So do you think when he was 16 years old, going to work at McDonald's after school, that he could envision and see his $150 billion empire? No, it wasn't even on his radar. It, it was, that was so far beyond, but he got, he got out of bed, and he went to work, and he saw it through. He dug ditches. We have to dig ditches towards the things that we actually, that we actually truly desire, and that God also desires. And so I want to ask you guys a question that, what blessings have you decided to receive from God? And what I mean is by with your actions, right? Because a lot of times our actions speak louder than words. 1 John 3.18 tells us to love not with words, but in deed and in truth. So in our actions. And so, have your actions continually decided that you want to be that you want to have a mediocre relationship with God? Have your actions, if you look at your actions, have, have they decided, have you decided that with your actions? Have your actions decided that you want to be a mediocre leader of your family? And just apply that to any other thing. And here's the thing, guys, here's where the digging ditches comes in. Because God does not mess with our free will. So, if you, just, if you continually decide, uh, I missed, you know, I missed, uh, I had a, a quiet time this week and I didn't go to church, I slept in. If you continually decide, but you, then you pray, God, give me an amazing walk with you. And your actions and the ditches that you dig are to not towards that at all whatsoever. God's not going to just be like, yeah, I'm actually going to just go against your free will. It's not how it works. It's not how free will works. And so we need to start digging ditches in our relationship with God and our families. So we need to do that daily digging in the Word, the daily digging in prayer. We need to do the daily digging of, of having good relationships with our spouse, with our children, with the people in our ministry. Though That's where our strength needs to be allocated for God to work. Um, another quote from Spurgeon says, I believe that you and I, in the matter of spiritual blessings from God, have more to do with the measurement of our mercies than we think. We make our blessings little because our faith 
and our prayers are little. And it's these amazing miracles of God that we're gonna that we just looked at and that we're gonna continue to look at that that help give us faith. Because right, we just we dig the ditch and that's that's good enough for us, that's hard. But God does the truly miraculous work. So so we're gonna second I wish we could I wish we had time to go through all this. Second Kings four, okay, the next chapter, there's this woman who is very poor, and the creditors are coming to take her sons because she, that's the only way to pay her debt is to basically have her sons be enslaved until they work off their debt. And she, she goes to Elisha, and he's like, well, what do you have in the house? And she's like, I have a little jar of oil. He says, take that jar of oil. Or, well, first of all, he said, go, get, go to your neighbors, go to your friends, go to anybody who will listen, and get jars. Right? And so she takes, she gets all these jars, her and her sons, and they take that little bar, uh, bottle of oil and they pour it and, and then they get the next one. It just keeps, they fill all of these jars with just this little tiny jar. It's a miracle. But what if she didn't listen to Elisha? And he's like, get all the jars. And she's like, why would I do that? I have, all I have is a little bit of oil. She had to go get the jars. Something she could do and then God worked miraculously through it. There's that same principle there of, of digging the dishes. This, then in 2 Kings 5, there's this Shunammite woman. And she's, she's a person of peace. She sees Elisha ministering. And she, said, she basically builds a room on her house to be, to be hospitable to him. So when he's traveling through, he can stay at her place. And what ends up happening is that she, she's barren, and Elisha says, he, he says a word from the Lord, he blesses her so she'll have a son, and she does. She has a child. And that never would have happened without her decision to be hospitable to Elisha. It would not have happened. They would not have known each other. So we're going to um, look at one final story here. As we try to wrap things up. So we're, we're going to, now we're moving to 2 Kings chapter 7. And the thing I really want you to come away with here is to share, to share the amazing blessing that we have. Then Elisha, okay, let me actually give you a little context. So what's happening now is that um, Israel is being besieged by uh, Syria, okay? So it, it's, and how, how you do a siege is you essentially work your way uh, you, you, you just camp out around the city until everybody inside gives up because they're starving. Of, they're starving and they're thirsty. And so they're either going to give up or they're going to die of those things. Okay, so they're being besieged. And Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And the reason he's saying this is because, like, right now, like a, like, a little bit of flour was, like, you know, in modern terms, like, a hundred bucks. Like, you couldn't, that's how much, like, a slice of bread was worth to people because they were starving. And so an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God, and he said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so... 
Honestly, the guy's being pretty logical. They're surrounded by an army, and so he's like, well, the only way that we're going to get this much food is if the windows of heaven open up and drop it from above us. Right? And so he, he's... It's, it's hard to have faith, because I can totally relate to this guy. Like, yeah, unless the windows of heaven... Is that really going to happen? I mean, come on. How, how often does this, the window of heaven just open up and, and dump food? Okay? So let's continue reading in verse 3. Okay, so now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So they were kind of on the outskirts of the city because they were leprous, so they, they weren't allowed to live in, in, the, in the inner city. And they're, kinda, they're just in predicament. Like, we stay out here, we're going to die. We go in the city, we're going to die. So now, therefore, come let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. So, like, hey, let's just go and just beg for mercy. And maybe we'll have a chance at living. And if they kill us, we shall only die. So if they kill us, the same thing happens if we stay here. And so they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Okay. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and they fled at twilight, and they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, and they ate, and they drank, and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing, they went and they hid, they hid them. And when they came back and entered another tent, surely enough, there's more stuff, so they took it and they went and hid it. I mean, they're, oh, they, they have hit the jackpot. And then they say in verse 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come let us go and tell the king's household. Okay, so a miracle of God has taken place. The army just left because they heard another army coming that was a noise from the Lord, and so they just they left. I, don't have, I have no idea how God pulled that off, but he did. And they leave, and so now these, these, these men are like, dude, they, the, whole, the army just left all their stuff. And like they're just eating and drinking, and then and now they're like, yeah, let's just we'll have some more later. So they're, you know they're hiding it. Like when everybody find, everybody's gonna find out. So like let's hide some of this stuff, and then we can have it later. But I, I just love how these men are. They're conscious stricken. There's just a moment like, wait a minute. They they've hit the lottery, but they say what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. And then, and then, honestly, they have the fear of God. They say, if we wait until morning, some punishment is just going to strike us. They couldn't hoard all the blessing to themselves and feel good about it. And, that, and that's, that's the heart that we need to have with, with the blessings that God has given us. So let's see what happens next. So we're skipping to verse 18. Basically what happens is, so they, they, uh, 
they tell people, they, they, they're conscience stricken, so they tell people, and the news spreads like wildfire, okay? And so then everybody's just out there um, getting, getting some food, getting some water. Okay, so, so it happened that just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seahs of barley for a shekel and a seah of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And then that officer who had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. So... The word of the prophet, so you sh- you'll see it, but you won't get to eat of it. And surely there's just this like stampede to get to the, the goods. He's Black Friday shopping, and he just gets trampled to death. <laughs> so the thing with his, his, his little faith is that he was a spectator. And so he got to see the blessing with his eyes, but he never got to eat it. He never got to taste it. And that's what we will be if we don't use the strength that we have for eternal purposes, for God's kingdom. We'll, 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 get, we'll see that we might even be a part of, of this church, another church. We might be around all kinds, of, all, all kinds of miracles of God's. We're right there. But if we're just spectating and we don't have the faith, and we don't use that little faith and the little strength that we have, then we'll never taste it. We'll just see it. And so, guys, walking away from, from these stories, God works miraculously. He's so powerful. Have faith in his power. He can use He can use you. He can use your life. He can use the little. Some of you are falling asleep right now. He can use that, just a little, oh, the little flicker in your eye to stay awake, to dig a ditch, to build something for God. Faith comes from hearing the word. That's a principle from Romans 10, 17. You know, we, so read your Bible. Faith comes from hearing the word. We see these stories, and it's faith building. It's like, man, yeah, God can use that. He can do that. And me and Ian's son, we were talking with one of her family members last weekend, and she was saying that it's, she sees the world. She sees all things happen. She said it's hard not to despair. And... She's right. When, when, when you look at what's going on around us, and just every day, every day in our lives, it's hard not to despair. It's hard not to lose faith. So we need God's word to have faith. So read the Bible. Let it give you faith. Secondly, to start digging ditches. So if you want to have a better walk with God, just, just commit to Whatever you can. Getting up in the morning, reading your Bible. I don't care. I, I'm not here to tell you how much you should read. What, but you just, you just need to dig that ditch. You need, you need to do that. If you want to be a better father, a better spouse, right? You, you can't continually decide to, to invest all of your strength into work, all of your strength into your hobbies. You, you can't do that. And work... And dig those ditches of a healthy, strong picture of God's family in your own family. So spend time with your kids. Spend time with your spouse. Don't prioritize. Don't put the little strength that you have towards other things. Sometimes it means you have to sacrifice things that you don't want to. Maybe you need to watch a little less football. You know, so, but 
That's how God works, is when we prepare the fields for harvest. And honestly, share the blessing. Share the blessing. Okay, what do you need to go fishing? Right, the Bible talks about sharing our faith a lot of times. Be fishers of men. A lot of times, you know, you need a pole, and you, and you need a lure, and you need bait. It's just true, but actually back in Jesus' day, that's not how they fished. You know how they fished? They took a big net. And so a lot of times, that, that's how we can fall into, into sharing the blessing. It's like, oh, someone's over there trying to share the blessing, someone's over there. No, we need to work together. We can't have spectators. Everybody, if there's a hole in the net, the fish get through. And so every single one of us is a part of that net. And we all need to come together and share the blessing together. You know, one of the brightest light that we can be in John 13, Jesus talks about how people will know the love of God by our love for one another. And so we have to work together, stick together, to share the blessing. And so... So th- those three things, guys, reading the Word, um, sharing, uh, digging the ditches that you, where you know you need to dig and to share the blessing. And, guys, God has miraculous power. He, he'll use whatever efforts that you put. The Word of God never comes back empty. Whatever efforts, He will use it. Guys, Jesus even said that when the Spirit comes, we will do greater things than Him. I, I still, like, don't believe that. Just... Honestly, like where my faith is at with that scripture is just like, you're crazy. But God will use what we do in miraculous ways. So he has that desire, that capability, that capacity, and that power. Submit yourself to him. Don't fight. Don't resist his spirit any longer. Um, I'm going to say a prayer, and then uh, we will have announcements and contribution. Um, Heavenly Father, God, uh, we just... Lord, I ask that we would surrender um, ourselves, our, our hearts, our desires. God, even those good things that we want, um, you, God, you will provide. You always do. God, we make plans in our heart, but the purposes of the Lord, they always prevail. God, you're, you're, you will prevail, and you, you are with us. Who can be against us, God, if you're with us? God, I pray that we would have the faith that we'd have the hope um, to just to see beyond the ditch that we're trying to dig, God, to what you're doing. Um, God, bless this church, um, and, and just I know that your word does not return to you empty, God. So uh, we love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.